greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Duck Johnny Rods into the hall in front of his hometown fans. My mother and I were wrestling fans. Every week we were glued to the TV and WWWF was there. Whenever they came to the neighborhood, we managed to be there and see it in person. Great guys were there. So I said to my mother, I got to be one of those guys one day. She says, you're nuts. They're too big. So I didn't care. I went out. Whatever there was a, a semi-pro you know, pro wrestling club, I, I managed to be there, join them. And I spent a few years grappling a little bit. And when I thought I was tough enough, and I mean tough enough, I had enough guts to find out where WWWF was the office, and believe it or not, it was only a few blocks from here on Broadway. I think on the fourth, fifth floor. I had enough guts to knock on the door. I went over, and some kind of a heavy voice says, the door is open, come on in. So I walked in, and I see four big hombres, cauliflower here, big cigars in their mouth. One of them said, Oh, let me tell you, before I forget, they were sitting down playing cards. And one of them said, can I help you, kid? I said, yes, sir. I'm wondering if I could get a wrestling job with you sometime. So he said, well, I don't have nothing now, but if you have a telephone number, maybe I could call you sometime. And uh, is that all right? I said, yes, sir. I, I gave him the number, I thank him, and uh, you know, I'm like uh, walking out the door. All of a sudden, as I'm walking out the door, I hear that same voice said, all right, which guy made the last four bet dollar bet? I'll see your four and bet you four more. That voice is the man behind me, the golden boy Arnold Scollin. And Arnold gave me my first telephone call and I tell you, it must have been a good tryout because after that, I had many, many more phone calls. Thank you, Ani. I learned a lot of tricks to become a professional wrestler from this man. There's no one better.
I'm going to tell you another thing I remember before I forget. One time I was sitting in the dressing room, and Vince, my man, walked in. And he said, can I have your attention, gentlemen? We've been doing a great job, and the wrestling fans are really enjoying it. But if we stay together, I want to put this all over the world. So he did. So everybody else follow. That's why I am proud. That's why I'm happy and proud to be here tonight at the Hall of Fame with Mr. McMahon and his wife, Linda, and his son, Shane, and the rest of the fellas that they really did a lot of work. And now, I tell you, I remember Vince McMahon Sr. Whenever I was, and he was there, I'd come over and say, how are you, Johnny? He always stopped and say hello to me. God bless you, Vince Sr. And Juanita, hello. How are you, dear? And I'm going to thank you wrestling fans for enjoying the part of me in it. And I'm not going to forget both of my families, my, my wife and kids first. My wife and kids second. You know, some guys go around the second time because that happens. My wife, Ellen, now, thank you, who is sitting here, who is sitting at the table with my good friend, the Irish champion, Davy O'Hannon. And wife, Kathy. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here tonight. This is one I'm going to hang up on my wrestling school that I'm teaching the guys the tricks that honor school attention. Thank you, Vince, and thank you, wrestling fans. Hello, and welcome to the Hogan Era Podcast. I am your host, of course, JP John Paz, here on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire, part of the TMPT feed. Here, each and every week on the Hogan Era Podcast, we're talking about the greatest era ever in the history of professional wrestling, the golden era of the WWF 1984-1993, where the Hulkster dominated the ranks and changed the business of pro wrestling and sports entertainment forever, the era that made Vince McMahon a retired billionaire, of course, here each and every week on the Hogan Era podcast, talking about the greatest moments, matches, feuds ever. And we're talking about guys like Rowdy Roddy Piper, Andre the Giant, Macho Man Randy Savage, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, King Kong Bundy, Big John Studd, and the list goes on and on and on. And here, episode number 65, so we'll be doing this well over a year as far as paying tribute to the Hogan Era. And each week we'll bring up a different guy and a different name and, and, and a different feud. And eventually we're going to break down some different things as well as far as the Hogan era. But when you look at it, there's some guys that kind of been unsung heroes pre-Hogan era and only spent a little bit of time during the Hogan era. So maybe they are forgotten a little bit or maybe people, not disrespect them, but almost you know push them aside or think like, oh man, you know. The Hogan era is the era, yes, but still there's a major era before that which contributed to why the WWF is still standing there. It's still one of the number one organizations in the world as far as pro wrestling was concerned. 
then obviously enter in Hulk Hogan and the world is forever changed. And man, uh, does the landscape of the business change forever? But you cannot forget about the glory days and, and the years before them. I know there's a lot of old school wrestling fans that I talk about. They always consider the Bruno Sammartino era to be kind of the golden era and, and be the, the big era in the WWF. While it was great and while it was huge, don't know if it compares to the Hogan era because, man, oh, man, you got 33 million people watching Hogan and Andre. You know, you, you got millions and millions upon millions of fans all over the world. You're selling out 93,000 people, WrestleMania three, you got the Silver Dome in Detroit, Michigan. I mean, so, I mean, you got some crazy things going on as far as what Hogan was able to do. Yes, the business was was in good shape before then, but I mean, this is just putting it in, in tremendous shape. And really, this is when you turn, the, you know, having a job or, or working and making money for, to your family into becoming something else. I mean, you really mean you become rich, you become a star, you become a superstar, you became globally known. You just became an, att an attraction upon yourself. And man, what Hogan was able to do for the business is absolutely crazy. What is he able to do for Vince McMahon's wallet and what he's able to do for current WB? I mean, they wouldn't be there today without Hogan and without the era. So if you really look at it, the importance cannot be understated, but I don't want to forget about the guys that came before the Hulkster and were able to have a little bit of a maybe a mini feud or a championship match with the Hulkster during the Hogan era. And that's why today I'm talking about Mr. Unpredictable, the unpredictable one, Mr. Johnny Rods. Of course, that nickname was given to Johnny Rods by the one and only Gorilla Monsoon. And, you know, people use the term enhancement guy or jobber guy. I know Johnny Rods interviewed him for he personally. He just hates that term because guys like Bruno and Pedro Morales, they didn't consider guys like Johnny Rods even even close to that. They were saying we're all wrestlers. We're all members of the roster. We're all members of the team here. Each and every one of us have an equal level of importance. There is no enhancement. There is no job guy. There, you know, there is no term like that that they use. They just hated that term. They just didn't like using it. You could say carpenter, I guess, in, in a certain respect, and, and a lot of the guys would be okay with that, but they just not a big fan of the term enhancement guy or, or jobber, obviously. But Rods definitely did a great job as far as building up a lot, a ton of those young guys and really building up all the guys that there needed to be built up during that era. And we'll, we'll get into that in a bit, but I think a lot of people – know Johnny Rods from his training days. But really, if you look at Johnny Rods, 1964 makes his pro wrestling debut. 1965 makes his WWWF debut for the World Wide Wrestling Federation. And really, basically, he would appear from 1965 to 1985. So a few years only in the Hogan era. But like I said, he got to recognize the eras before. So 1965 to 1985, over 20 years in the WWF. Pretty crazy. Wrestled, of course, Bob Backlund in Madison Square Garden. Um, like I said, he's known as Mr. Unpredictable, the Unpredictable One. Also, the Firebrand from the Bronx also was dubbed a nickname as, as him as well. Obviously, great worker, very proficient in his time, very solid heel, very solid bad guy. He would often team with Jose Estrada, Frank Rodriguez, and really make his name known because he was such a mainstay in the territory, in the Federation for such a long period of time. I know, like I mentioned, largely an enhancement talent, which you know sometimes... They don't like that term, but he was largely praised by his peers and making them look better each and every time they go out there. One of the key matches that he had was 1980, August 9th, 1980, Showdown at Shea. He was defeated by the one and only, the Polish power, Ivan Putski. 
And then, of course, his last match in the WWF was a loss to Gama Singh, June 19th, 1985. So, man, think about it. What a run. 65 to 85 in the WWF. In 1996, Johnny Rods was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, inducted by Arnold Skoland. If you, you look at it and look at his career and what he was able to, man, uh, what a run. Because if you have a few-year run in the WWF, people are like, wow, you know, what a run. You know, what a, what a success story. When you have a 20-plus-year run in the WWF, I mean, that's just a whole other animal. I mean, that, that's just really saying something about, about the career of Johnny Ross and what he was able to do and the respect he was able to garner, not only by his peers, but also obviously by Vince McMahon Sr., who, you know, booked him there for basically 18 or, or 17 or 18 of, of those years. And obviously Vince McMahon Jr. booked him the rest. But man, what a, what a run. And I think a lot of people think of him as one of the greatest trainers because he's been training students now for 30 plus years. People obviously know the legendary Gleason's gym in Brooklyn. That's where Roz has trained many of his students. And many of them have gone on to have very successful careers, whether in or outside of the ring for several promotions. Obviously, I mean, we have high level executives for TV. We have guys that even became maybe even government officials and guys that work for the FDA and the FDIC. So, I mean, not only is he training some guys inside the ring, but outside the ring as well. They made some great runs. His trainees, of course, include many different guys through many different eras and many different generations. But I'll go through them as the students have gone, you know, to become big time future stars in their business and even create their own wrestling academies and their own wrestling schools throughout the years. Of course, nowadays, the promotion that he has is the world of unpredictable wrestling, which pays tribute to his nickname of the unpredictable one. But the guys he's trained, let's just go through a, a quick list here. Vito LaGrasso, Big Vito, Damian Demento, Tommy Dreamer, Big Dick Dudley, Bubba Ray Dudley, Devon Dudley, Bill DeMott, Electra, Jason Knight, Matt Stryker, Prince Nana, W. Morrissey, also known as Big Cass, Angel Medina, of course, you know him from the Baldies, Ricky Vega, S.D. Jones, Marty Bell, Kevin Matthews, and maybe his most famous student, Taz, as well. Also, just to note, just to put out there as well, he has trained Wendy Chu, he has trained Masha Slamovich, and he even has trained the one and only Vince Russo. Yes, Russo went through the school, not necessarily thinking that he was going to be a wrestler, but he knew that was a place to go to understand the business and to become a better writer and really, you know, enhance himself and, and enhance his, his skills. So it's very interesting to note that Russo trained under Johnny Rods as well. Quite a career as far as training and a run, but as far as his WWF tenure, it really started off and funny because he inducted him into the Hall of Fame in 1996. But on 4-16-1965 in the WWF in Trenton, New Jersey, over at the Moose Hall, Arnie Skolan defeats Johnny Rods, and that was really his first match in in the WWF. So very kind of interesting uh, to note that as well, that he inducted in the Hall of Fame, and really technically his first match. When we're going to look at his career, I mean, man, 20 years is a hell of a long time, and I'm not going to go into, into you know detail on all the matches and, and everything as far as his career. But man, if you look at it, he had wrestled anybody who's anybody. I mean, he wrestled all the big names, anybody that's coming into the territory, you name it. And he wrestled them. But I really just, I'll start off with the Hogan era. 
mentioned 1965 starting there, but let's just start off his first match in the Hogan era. Really wasn't until 10-23-1984. So he goes from August, uh, excuse me, July 4th, 1983, Pete Sanchez and S.D. Jones defeated Victor Rivera and Johnny Rods in Wildwood, New Jersey. Then as the Hogan era begins, he doesn't have a match really for another year and three months. So it's October 23rd. He comes back and he rejoins the Hogan era, 10-23-84 from Championship Wrestling TV course from the mid hudson civic center in poughkeepsie new york he loses to david sammartino in his kind of first match back and really his christening in the hogan era now here's an interesting one on the same day part of the tv tapings he wrestled a few times his next match a part of the tv tapings in the mid hudson civic center in poughkeepsie new york he loses in about four minutes to sergeant slaughter who wasn't really long for the uh, the hogan era if you will as there were some Falling out there, and obviously G.I. Joe would kind of come in the middle as Vince McMahon Jr. wanted a, a big piece of the pie there, and Slaughter knew, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge name, a huge star. I don't necessarily want Vince kind of coming in, and there's more to the story, obviously, than that, but I'm kind of giving the close notes. There's more to it than that, and, and Vince will try to maybe take some uh, food off the plate of Slaughter, but hey, he's the star. He's the one that got G.I. Joe. He did that without Vince's help, didn't need Vince's help, so you know, what does he need Vince for? And obviously there's a little bit of a falling out there and he would really join through most of the, through most of the time, excuse me, of the Hogan era, he would mostly join the AWA. Obviously he comes back a part of the Hogan era and has a big time feud as the Iraqi turncoat and feuds with Hogan there and main events, WrestleMania seven, but the, that's a different story for a different day. You can go back into the archives and listen to the Sergeant Slaughter episode there. Then on 11-10-1984, Mike Rotundo defeated Johnny Rides in a long one. They go about 13 minutes on the Prism Network from the Philly Spectrum in Philadelphia, PA. Then he goes along and he loses to Tony Atlas. He'll lose to Rocky Johnson. He'll get a victory over Carl Fury. He'll lose to Gama Singh a few times, once on the Prison Network and once on Primetime Wrestling number 9. Again, from the Spectrum in Philly, PA, that primetime taping was on 12-1-84. And that match goes about 11 minutes, 20 seconds. So he's getting a pretty good, a pretty fair amount of TV time, especially when he's in Philly and he's in the Northeast. And he's getting uh, some pretty good matches here. Like I said, 13 minutes, 11 minutes, pretty long time for Johnny Rods. On championship wrestling TV taping again from Poughkeepsie, New York in November, Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo defeated Charlie Fulton, and Johnny Rods, interesting uh, team there with uh, Charlie Fulton and Johnny Rods teaming up. So as we kind of just go through the rest of 84, Mario Mancini and Sweet Hansen defeated AJ, excuse me, easy for me to say, Petruzzi, and Johnny Rods from New York City at Leham High School. And that was on 12-5-84, on 12-28-84 from the MSG Network, part of Madison Square Garden taping there. New York, New York, baby. Salvatore Belomo defeats Johnny Rods in 5 minutes and 30 seconds. There's a house show match in Hartford, Connecticut on 1-1-85 as Johnny Rods is getting a big victory over Jose Luis Rivera. Then there's a big house show on 1685 from the Brendan Byrne Arena in East Rutherford, New Jersey, my home away from home. Tag team battle royal, 10 teams evolved. Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda win this one. Pretty damn good tag division if you kind of just look at it as they would defeat Adonis and Murdoch, Beefcake, Johnny V, George Wells, Tony Atlas, Snooka, and Jose Luis Rivera. Johnny Rods was teaming up with Magnificent Morocco. You had Sheik and Volkoff in there. You had Belomo and S.G. Jones. You had the Briscoe brothers with Jack and Jerry Briscoe. And, of course, the Moondogs of Rex and Spot. Then 
Snuka and Jose Luis Rivera would defeat Johnny Rods and Morocco in a tag match on the same show. So very uh, interesting to note there. Johnny Rods doing some double duty in New Jersey. Then on White Plains, New York, a few days later, Johnny Rods and the Brooklyn Brawler, Steve Lombardi, the Westchester County Civic Center, fighting to a draw. Speaking of draw, let's go to Rick McGraw defeating Johnny Rods from the Prison Network on 1-12-1985. Of course, that was in Philly, PA. George Wells would get a shot and a victory over Johnny Rods from the capital city and land over Maryland. Now to just rewind a bit and talk about the Hogan matches and the matches in the history that Hulk Hogan had with Johnny Rods. 1-9-1990, excuse me, 1980. Hulk Hogan defeats Johnny Rods in 6 minutes, 20 seconds, Waterville, Maine. So obviously this is pre-Hogan era. It's part of WBF. I just want to talk about the brief history that Hogan and Rods had together. Then on 8-30-1980, it was a $10,000 18-man battle royal with Hogan and Johnny Rods in that match together. Andre the Giant gets the victory here, defeating Afa, Angelo Gomez, Baron Michael Cicluna, Dave Darrow, Dominic Danucci, Eddie Boulder, Frank Williams, Gorilla Monsoon, like I mentioned, Hulk Hogan, of course, Johnny Rods, Moose Monroe, Pedro Morales, Pete Doherty, Sika, Steve King, Silvano Sousa, and Tor Kamada. So good uh, little... Uh, tidbit there as Hogan and Rods would have two matches outside of the Hogan era and would have one match in the Hogan era, which leads me to 1-19-1985 at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center Poughkeepsie, New York on TV here. It's the WWF World Heavyweight Championship title match championship wrestling. Hulk Hogan defeats Johnny Rod. So that's like the, the big match for Rods, almost like a, a Big sign of respect there from Vince. Like, hey, let's give this guy a TV match. Let's give this guy a title shot, and let's put him on there. And, you know, let's give him his just due. Obviously, he's not going to win, and Hogan's going to you know, have a big-time match. But everybody remembers, and I was just talking to the bold, the angel about it, and everybody remembers Hogan versus Johnny Rod. Talked about a lot at the school. Uh, all the guys would mention it, and it's on YouTube, but it was on TV, of course, and that's where everybody became very familiar with it and knew that Johnny Rods and the Hulkster had a WBF championship match in New York. So pretty good there for Johnny Rods and obviously great on the Hulkster as well. He would also get a tag team championship match on 2-12-1985 as Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda defend the tag team championships and defeat Johnny Rods and Steve Lombardi in about three minutes. So a lot of TV matches for Johnny Rods and a lot of world championship opportunities and title matches as well for Johnny Rod. So pretty good for him. He would have a match against Jose Luis Rivera, and he'd win on MSG Network at MSG, of course, in New York, New York, 2-18-1985. Johnny Rods defeated Jose Luis Rivera in 11 minutes and 15 seconds. So they gave him some TV time. They gave him some good stuff there, and they even would give him some wins per, uh, sporadically on TV. So pretty amazing. They go back to MSG a few months later, and the Bulldogs, David Boy Smith, Dynamite Kid, defeat Johnny Rods and Rene Goulet in eight minutes, a part of the WBF on MSG Network. He would go on to beat Jose Luis Rivera again, but then he would lose to Wyndham. He'd lose to Rotunda, loses to Tony Correa. He loses to Salvatore Belomo. He would get some more victories over Jose Luis Rivera along the way. He would beat Larry Winters. He would lose a match to Gama Singh. He would lose a TV match to Ricky the Dragon Steamboat as well. Um, and as we're kind of going along and as we're kind of going across, it's basically 
you know, he'll get very, very few wins, but still he's getting some wins on TV. He's getting, but he's getting long matches against guys and he's helped building up some of the younger guys as well. And some of the guys that are really trying to get over, obviously young guys like Barry Windham, like Mike Rotundo, like Ricky, the dragon steamboat. And then of course, one of his last really high profile TV matches, if you will. Something I mean, it was on the prison network in Philly PA, Paul Roma defeated Johnny Rods in 15 minutes. So they gave him, that was on five twenty five eighty five. So they gave him a good amount of time there and really, you know, trying to help the young guy out and trying to help the young Paul Roma develop into that role. So really, like I mentioned, 6 1985 his last match was in Montvale Fieldhouse in Montvale, New Jersey, losing to Gamma sing so really i mean that's the end of the run there for johnny rods as far as the hogan era is concerned he would retire of course like i mentioned 1996 and really that's when he got put in the hall of fame so as soon as he retired wf gave him the respect and the look and put him in the hall of fame he's also part of the cauliflower alley club honoree hall of fame he was a canadian international heavyweight champion he's been a, a ncw heavyweight champion he's been the, the world Wrestling Council, AKWC, WWC, excuse me, down there in Puerto Rico with Carlos Colon. He's been a two-time tag champion. He's been a two-time North American tag champion. He's been a Caribbean heavyweight champion, and he's been a three-time Caribbean tag team champion as well. Mostly those, of course, with Super Medico 1, a.k.a. Jose Estrada Sr. So nice career, nice run. Obviously, I think a lot of people will say the 20-year run in the WWF is, you know, the coup de grace, if you will. I mean, that's the big part of his career. That's the thing that a lot of people will definitely remember and really be um, really thankful for is like, wow, he would look at the careers and look at the matches and look what he was able to do for a lot of the young guys and put those guys over and really help them throughout their career make it to that next level. But what I think the big thing that, that he'll be remembered for and the big thing that everybody will be talking about when you talk about the legacy or, or you know the stamp that he left behind was all the wrestlers he trained and all the stars that he helped create for the future, not only in the ring, but I'm talking about his time outside of the ring as a trainer. Like I mentioned, Big Vito, Tommy Dreamer, the Dudley Boys, Bill DeMott, Taz, Vince Russo, W. Morrissey, Marty Bell. I mean, the list goes on and on as far as what he was able to do for the next generation of wrestlers and what he was able to do as far as giving back to the business. So that'll about wrap it up for this one. For the Hogan era, he had one big match during the Hogan era with the immortal Hulkster himself. Of course, that was back in 1985, getting a world title match on TV. So let's wrap it up and hit the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com. And of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Also, go to tpublic, tpublic.com slash store slash tmpt and get your Hogan era t shirt today. But thank you, everybody out there, for listening. We'll see you right back here next time for the Hogan era podcast we'll see you next week folks this has been a john pause power trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling you could follow us on instagram and twitter at two-man power trip you could check us out on facebook you could subscribe on youtube you can go to patreon.com slash tmpt empire to become a patron and also check out the website tmpt empire.com and buy a shirt at pro wrestling Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother.
This contest is scheduled for one fall with a 10-minute time limit. In the ring at this time, from New York City, weighing 239 pounds, the unpredictable Johnny Ross. And his opponent, from Venice Beach, California, weighing 302 pounds, the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion, It certainly is, and I'll tell you what, knowing Johnny Rods, he will certainly give it his best shot. But I know if it's, the, if it's very, very best, he can put a dent on the likes of a Hulk Hogan. As you said, 302 pounds, but who's, who's, who's better conditioned, who's better looking at that kind of a weight than Hulk Hogan? The Hulkster displaying extraordinary power just moments ago, now getting behind Johnny Rod, taking him down. Nice maneuver. Hulkster right on top of Johnny Rods. I think are looking over. Oh, wait a minute. Brutus Beefcake with two luscious Johnny Valiant about ringside. Bob Hogan should be concerned. Now the champion has to worry about the presence of someone other than Johnny Rods. Handful of hair by Rods from our vantage point. A rake of the face by Johnny Rods. A right hand that finds its spot. Elbow and Johnny Rods hammering away for the World Wrestling Federation. Oh, Hulk blocks the move. And again, no, he blocks it. Rods goes down. A right hand and Johnny Rods down to the canvas and the Hulkster wanted to come out. to Johnny Rod, so is Brutus Beefcake as Rods goes down for the single leg takedown. Rods went for that one leg, but Hogan wisely broke this lock. What a slap. You talk about the eye of the tiger, you're looking at two of them right there. <laughs> Once Hulk Hogan locks a bead on you, he is locked on for life or for the duration of the match. Hulk Hogan now with the armbar on Johnny Rods. 
forearm and didn't have much behind it as the Hulkster winds up Johnny Rods a little bit more. Ooh, my. That'll do some damage to the tricep. Nice reversal by Rod. Another reversal by the Hulkster. Not across the arm. This is a non-title matchup, but if Johnny Rods can defeat Hulk Hogan on this occasion, he'll have certainly a title shot to follow. Look at this. Rods with a series of chops taking its toll on Hulk Hogan. Break in the face, and the referee warning of a possible disqualification. Rods on the ropes. Now what's he going to do? Hulkster standing up, and oh, takes a tremendous forearm to the back of the neck. Johnny Rods now. Oh, my. With a headbutt covering Hulk Hogan, too. And a big kick out by the Hulkster. Rods hammering away. Hulkster trying to bring himself up. Hulk Hogan hammering another right hand. Johnny Rods ripped to the rope. Look out, here comes the monster. Oh, my. Hulk Hogan dropping the elbow on Rods. To the rope now, and off 302 across the chest, two, and a victory of three. follows the reigning World Wrestling Federation champion. Hope Hogan with another victory under his belt in the non-title matchup. Let's go back to the replay. I'll tell you, look at this. Here's, here's the empty knockdown. Rodstown, look at this, a big powerful elbow. This is 300 some odd pounds coming down full weight on Johnny Rods' chest, and that's not enough. Now he comes up with that big powerful leg right again over the upper chest of Johnny Rods, the whole weight again, and that was the first more than enough to keep Johnny down for a count of three. And there, ladies and gentlemen, the Adonis-like physique of the World Wrestling Federation champion, Hulk Hogan,